0: Hey everyone, Robby here with Rob D and today on the podcast we answer probably our biggest criticism of the podcast but rather than just answering it we go a step further and give you our very own framework that we use to assess the property market.
1: Thank you for joining us on The Property Podcast. For over 10 years now, we've been sharing what we learn from operating in the property market all day, every day. If this is your first episode and you're not subscribed yet, then hopefully by the end we'll have convinced you to put that right. So on Apple Podcasts, hit the little plus button. On Spotify, hit follow and join tens of thousands of other investors and making sure you never miss an episode.
0: It's time for our news story of the week now. And the biggest news story that we have to cover this week is the Bank of England have moved up interest rates again up 0.25 percentage points to 4.5% in total. Now, it is a big news story because it impacts us all as property investors and impacts us on a day-to-day level as well. But it wasn't shocking news because it was expected, Rob. So everyone who semi-follows what's happening around interest rates expected this. But I suppose the big question is, and I'll leave it to you to answer, Rob, which is what's next? This has happened and what's expected, but what can we expect next for interest rates?
1: Well, Obviously the Bank of England is not committing to anything but from the language around it you get the impression that if this isn't the peak we're very close to it. So when the Bank of England and the Fed make an announcement about this there's kind of two parts to it. There's the thing that they do and then there's the commentary around it and normally the thing that they do like you've said is already anticipated. People have got a good sense of what the move's going to be so then you start watching what they actually say around it to try to pick up hints about what comes next. And in this case, it's sounding like they're not going to want to do much more. Of course, the reason they are putting up rates so much is to counter inflation, which is remaining higher for longer than they anticipated. But over the next couple of months, we are going to see inflation come down quite significantly, purely because of the way it's calculated. What happened a year ago makes a difference to the annualised figure. So we are going to see it come down. And they might consider that once it's looking a little bit less scary, they can then just kind of leave things as they are. So my bet would be if this is not the peak, then there's probably only one more quarter of a percentage point rise in there. But that is just my opinion. And I've been wrong plenty of times before. But Rob, of course, the reason we're interested in this as investors is because of mortgage rates. And of course, as a result of this, variable rates will have gone up. Fixed rates hanging out pretty much where they are, again, because it was expected. The pattern for the last few months has been fixed rates dropping. Over the last few weeks, that hasn't been happening. They've just been pretty much stuck where they are because of inflation remaining higher than expected and moves like this, and this anticipated move from the Bank of England. So I reckon that's going to continue. I think we'll probably see mortgage rates staying pretty much where they are for the next couple of months until we get more signals about what's likely to come next. But we will see.
0: We will see. And you know what I think we need, Rob? I think we need a mortgage expert on to give us a mortgage market update because everyone wants answers to this type of stuff at the moment. So let's deliver that to the people. And in the next week or two, we will bring you a mortgage expert to give you all the latest news on what products are coming out, what's changed, are things getting better or are things getting worse? All that and more in the next week or two.
1: Just quickly, the Renters' Reform Bill, which we've been waiting for for literally years, was finally introduced to Parliament yesterday. We didn't have time to cover it in this episode, but make sure you join us next week where we'll be dedicating the whole episode to what's in there and what it means for you. Also, if you're a subscriber to our free newsletter, Property Pulse, we'll be covering it tomorrow morning. So keep an eye on your inbox. And if you're not, then put that right. Just go to propertyhub.net slash pulse to sign up. Before we get into the episode, a little public service announcement. We found out the other day that there are people on Instagram posing as both me and Rob B, and sending DMs to people asking for money or to get involved in crypto schemes. It's not us. Thank you to all the people who let us know luckily you were aware and you spotted it but these are really convincing scams they've cloned all my content and so it's quite hard to tell and perhaps the most distressing part of all is they've got more followers than i have but you do have to be really careful out there it's not just us there are scammers out there posing as all kinds of semi-public figures so do be really careful and if you get contacted by someone pretending to be us or anyone else do please report the profile We are extremely lucky to have an amazingly supportive audience for this podcast. But when we do get criticism, which is fine because everyone does, it tends to be focused around the fact that we spend so much time talking about how it's a good time to buy. And you know what? That cynicism is completely understandable. It's called the property podcast. We've got a property business. Obviously, we're always going to be pumping property for our own advantage. But while I don't think it's worth trying to change the minds of any cynics, we were thinking about this and realised, well, you know what, why do we do that? Well, it's because it almost always is a good time to buy. We've identified five reasons for that. And I think running through them gives you a really useful perspective on how to think about property and how and when you make your acquisitions and what it can do for you. So we'll run through those reasons now.
0: We will. And I think this episode is really going to help investors who get a bit nervous sometimes. You know, when there's market you use out there and you're like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Is property doomed? And going through this framework, it helps you understand how we see the market. and I'm sure by the end, you're going to feel a lot more confident about your investment journey, because it'll just give you a different way of thinking. And let's start with the first reason why we often talk so positively about property. And that's, I feel like a public duty to counter the media, because we are far more focal when the media is negative. Because that is usually one of the better times. If you think about it, over the last five years, there has been some extreme negativity around the property market. But then you look at what property prices have done over the last five years, they've done quite well. So you've had the mainstream media consistently tell you the things are doomed for the property market and the wider world, yet we're still all here and the property market's still ticking along nicely. And that's great, but if you'd followed the media, held back from investing because they scared you off, then you would have cost yourself money because you would have cost yourself an increase in capital growth, which has occurred over the last five years, and you would have collected the rental income from those properties that you didn't buy. So we feel so passionate about trying to educate beyond the headlines, talk about what's really happening. And when the media is super negative, we will assess the situation and give you often a different point of view. But we actually started talking about the market cooling in quarter two 2022 and why is that point in time important well that's when the market was starting to boom and was starting to kick on and the media was backing that up being in full frenzy there was talks of property prices going up at a rapid rate people putting offers in without even viewing properties but because we talk to a lot of people in the market we're like the canary in the coal mine and we felt the market was cooling at that point and we gave you that information So, again, we were countered the noise from the media. But whereas it was saying, hey, everything's kicking on right now, we said, that's not how we're seeing it. We're seeing things cool down a little. So reason one is countering the media. That alone is enough for me to keep speaking out and telling you what we hear because I feel so many people are punished by being led the wrong way. But we do have four other reasons.
1: Yeah, we do. And the second one is that there are better times and worse times to buy, but there are very few bad times to buy. And I think a mistake is that people feel like they have to f- pick the perfect time. And we'll talk about that a bit more later. We've got a really interesting example. So take that kind of COVID period that we were just talking about. So the market had opened up again after the literal shutdown where you it was illegal to even go and view a property. It opened up again. People getting very excited and sort of taking you through to mid-2022 when the market started cooling again. That was a tough time to buy. Because the market was so hot and we were talking about that and kind of bemoaning it at the time. It actually doesn't do us any favours when it's a really hot market because our business relies on going and sourcing good value property at a discount. Not easy to do in a red hot market. But that didn't make it a bad time. So it wasn't the best time. It was a difficult time, but it didn't make it a bad time. The only actual bad time to buy is when there's an actual bubble, which is not necessarily the same as what the media calls one. Interestingly, when there actually is a bubble, the media is normally not calling it one, but they calls lots of other things bubbles instead. And how often does it happen? Well, roughly once every 18 years. So that is a big, big buying window. So undisputably, there are better times and worse times, but very few bad times. Especially, Rob, when you pair that with our third reason, which is that it's often a good time to buy somewhere.
0: It is. Long-time listeners to the podcast will know we've talked about different areas since we started recording. So from 2013 to 2016, London and the Southeast was the place to buy. It was absolutely booming. It was going great guns. And actually, we started to talk the market down a little in 2015 and 2016. Probably went a little bit too early on that but we were still learning our craft an area we were early on though and got right and many people have benefited because of that is we started to talk up manchester because from 2016 onwards manchester pretty much has been the major city to invest in and london has not done that good at all since 2016 in fact it's been one of the worst performing areas and even today manchester is still doing really well But there are other areas coming into play, and we talk about those regularly now on our podcast, particularly on our YouTube channel. So make sure you check out our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Search for Property Hub UK. So what should you take from this? Well, by being geographically agnostic, your buying window is bigger. Not being emotionally attached to one area and only ever buying there will really help you. If you're open to investing in London at certain times, or maybe Greater Manchester, Nottingham, Newcastle even at different times, means that you can cherry pick the areas, pick the areas that look like they're the best right now and enhance your gains. So if you only ever invested in London, it's been a rough market for you for the last seven years. But if you've been adaptable and moved around, you've done great over the last seven years. So the message is there's often a good time to buy somewhere in the country.
1: You might not know it, but in the background to this podcast, we run a business called Property Hub Invest that helps investors build portfolios. We use relationships that we have with some of the UK's best developers to secure properties at a discount and make the whole process super hands-off. So if you want to invest in high-quality properties for the long term and not take up any of your time doing it, then you can check out Property Hub Invest at propertyhub.net slash invest.
0: Our fourth message for you to take on board is consistent action is better than trying to time the market perfectly. So it is great trying to pick the best areas to invest in. And Rob and I are guilty of that. We like to pick the best areas. Who wouldn't? But actually something more important and better than that is consistent action. Waiting to make the right bet Is actually worse taking consistent action is much better
1: it really is i mean if you can time the market perfectly then of course that is the best thing to do undisputably the best thing to do if you can pull it off is to buy like crazy in the first four years of the cycle then just hold on for a decade do nothing then sell it all wait for a crash and go and buy it all up again that will get you the best returns and some people do this they do it brilliantly and they will do better but it's just not practical for most people to pick just a couple of reasons for that, most people don't have a huge lump sum of capital at exactly the right time. You build up your savings gradually. And of course, you could just let them build up and sit on them until the absolute perfect buying opportunity. But when that perfect buying opportunity comes, you're probably not going to have the guts to actually get in because you haven't been investing. You're not in the habit of it. You haven't learned your lessons yet. And the world is collapsing around you. And so it's not going to feel like the right time to invest. So for almost everyone, I would say the best thing to do is just to buy whenever you can. Okay, so let's give you an
0: example. What would happen if you bought one property every year? But let's not cherry pick this. Let's start in a particularly bad year.
1: Yeah, let's take a 20-year period and start that 20-year period in 1990, because that way it actually includes two downturns. So you could say we've deliberately cherry picked bad timing. So the first property you bought would be in 1990. That property would immediately fall in value and wouldn't recover its value until 1996. Not good. But that's okay in this example you'd pick yourself up you'd buy again in 1991 you buy again in 1992 and so on and so on you'd keep on buying one property every single year in some of those years 2004 2005 that would work out really well for you the properties you bought would quickly go up in value but then you'd also be buying a property every year in 2006 2007 2008 which would quickly after you'd bought them lose a lot of their value so the very first properties you bought would immediately lose value you then towards the end, hit another downturn, and the properties that you buy then quickly lose a lot of value. Despite that, your total equity gain over the period, the that period that includes building up your portfolio across two crashes, would be £988,000. If you then held on to those properties for another 10 years, so you didn't buy any more, you just held them for another 10 years, taking you up to 2019, which again, deliberately chosen because that misses out on the last few years of particularly strong growth, that equity gain would take you to £2.3 million. Now, okay, that doesn't factor in inflation, but even so, that shows you that you don't have to get the timing exactly right. Even if you spend a lot of the time getting the timing exactly wrong, it still works out pretty well over the long term. Number five on our list is that if your
0: horizon is long-term, timing is less important. We've already talked about how if you'd invested in the worst periods, you'd still do well if you were consistent. But even if you'd purchased in the worst years, in the years that the property market did crash, if you do hold for the long-term, then you're fine because eventually prices recover and then go on to push beyond their previous peaks previous highs. I think that's one of the core reasons why so many of us believe in property investment, because we know as investors that over the long term, property does well in the UK. You can pick any date in time and look to the future, and whether in the short or the long term, property prices will go higher than the price that you bought. And you get your rental income that whole time as well. And that's not it. You've also got inflation impacting your portfolio over the long term. We talk about this on the podcast a lot, but inflation erodes the value of your debt, the value of your mortgages. So over the long term, your property prices will eventually recover, even if you buy in the worst periods of time. You will get a rental income during the whole time that you own it, and inflation will erode the value of your debt. And even if you buy and the market crashes the next day, it's only on paper that you've lost. Only if you sell the next day, then you are punished. So if you don't panic and exit the market and just hold and collect your rental income, let inflation do its thing, you will then see your property prices recover to where they were and then surpass what you bought them for. Of course, nobody wants to buy just before a huge crash. But there are far worse things that you can do. So even if you purchased at the absolute worst time, you'll still do all right over the long term. So there you have it. The reason why Rob and I love property I've done the property podcast for over 10 years and truly believe in it as an asset class. Of course, if you do something as public as we do, you're always going to have naysayers. You're always going to have people who nip at you from the sidelines. But at least you know now why we believe what we believe. At least you understand our framework for thinking about our investments and why we're so passionate about property. And most importantly, hopefully now, you're just as confident as we are because you understand our mental models and how we approach the property market and how we see it as an investment asset class. And when you invest with confidence, the whole process becomes so much more enjoyable. So hopefully this has worked for you. And if it has, please do share it with others who get nervous, who may have started but are wobbling or haven't even got started yet because they're constantly listening to the media. Share the pod with them. Help them understand what is happening out there. And then they too can enjoy the benefits that property investment brings.
1: We always like to leave you with a little bit extra at the end of the show in the form of Hub Extra, where we give you a little resource, tip, tool, something that we hope will make your life a little bit better. And this week, I'm pleased to announce that I've reached a whole new level of geekiness. I now have a favourite scanner app, which makes me feel really happy. (laughs) I've spoken in the past about how the scanning that's built into notes on iPhone is really good. But I felt the need this week to go out and find something even better, because I hate receiving stuff on paper. genuinely hate it. I wish nothing ever came through my postbox, but it does. And when it does, I want to eliminate it from my life as quickly as possible. And so the tool that I found to help me do that is called Scanner Pro. What this does that's really cool is it allows you to have workflows off the back of it. So first of all, it can rename the document. So it can rename that with the date and time, for example then it can upload it automatically to a whole series of destinations. So it can set it to iCloud or Dropbox, or in my case, Google Drive, and you can specify the folder that it goes into. So what this means, especially if you then set up a shortcut for this with Apple shortcuts, which we talked about before, is you can do one tap to open the scanner, another tap to actually take the scan, and then when you confirm, it then automatically renames it and sends it to the correct folder, which means my PA can then pick it up from there and do whatever needs to be done. And I can shred that piece of paper and pretend it never existed. So if you are looking for the fastest way to process paper, this is the best i found. It's called Scanner Pro. It's not free. There's a free trial. you have to pay for it. So if you're not as irrationally bothered by this stuff as I am, it's probably not worth it. But if you are, then it's a really cool tool.
0: Love it, Rob. Luckily, you have a partner in crime when it comes to geekiness. So I will definitely be checking that one out. And you should be checking us out on Tuesday when we are back with Ask Rob and Rob. And of course, we'll be back next Thursday with the pod. So until then, take care, have fun, bye bye. Bye bye.